0: So the basics of intellectual property right, the link I shared is the starting point to understand how you can build a career in this field, because this field you touch upon various aspects from the business side, from the law side, sometimes from technology side. So to understand this thing, like we have law students with us, we have students from other fields. So when this kind of uh, diversity is there. It's very important to understand that what all aspects of IP are important uh, from the business standpoint. So apart from basic definition of intellectual property rights, it is the next obvious uh, understanding is about the IPR types. What are the types of IPR and when we talk about IPR types, the best way to understand IPR is by way of example and when we uh, I will run you through some examples and when we review the example we'll get to the types of IPR so these are patents we have trademarks we have designs we have trade secrets so I will not spend too much time on the basics but as we all know intellectual property refers to any creation which is the result of an intellect intellect in simple term means creation of mind that means it is different than a physical asset or a physical product And when so, for example, when you have physical products, you need some laws to protect those physical assets, like if you have removable assets or immovable assets. So you have jewelry, you have uh, have property, real estate, so you have different set of laws to protect those. Similarly, when we talk about intellectual property rights, that means these are intangible assets and these need a dedicated set of laws to protect uh, the rights of the owners. So the unique feature of intellectual uh, property is that it relates to intangible assets, that means assets that do not have a physical existence in real world. But at the same time, these assets are similar to the tangible assets or the physical assets. For example, these assets can be owned by someone. These assets can be sold to someone. These assets can be licensed to someone. And why do companies do that? Or why do IP owners do that? because it provides them a competitive advantage. For, uh, so you have different products, you have generic products, then you have branded products. So consumers are better attracted towards products that have some IP advantage to those attached to those products. Eventually, companies are able to add business value to their entire uh, business model. They have to they end up with more value as compared to a company without such assets. As a result, companies get better marketing opportunities and they are able to get global recognition. So I'll uh, quickly uh, give an example that we so I. So we have people from different domains, but I will start with a very simple example. So we all buy shoes, right? Everyone we buy shoe, we buy different, we know about different brands. So One of the favorite brands that everyone knows is Nike, right? Everyone is aware about that. So now when we talk about Nike as a brand, we see the name and then obviously there's a unique logo that if the logo is present on any product or the packaging material or even it's present on, let's say any advertising, we are able to relate to the brand. And apart from logo, there's a tagline which is called just do it right. So even if the tagline is written, we can recognize that that tagline relates to Nike as a company. So now when you have a company like Nike and company, I will simply pick up one simple product. They have a a large number of products in their offerings and one of the products is shoe. They have various type of shoes in such offerings. So when you buy that shoe, as a consumer, the first touch point when you enter the showroom is that you look at the showroom from the outside. You decide that I want to I want to buy it from this particular brand. So then you see the name of the showroom. Once you enter, then you go through the products. Once you see the products, then you decide, okay, I want to buy a particular product. Once you buy that product, so that means you selected the product based on certain features. Some of the features can be visual features. Some of the features can be some characteristics which provide some benefits, more comfort level, better ventilation of air, better airflow. So there are different features. Maybe it is lightweight. It is providing a soft cushioning to your feet. So these are the features. And then, so based on the look, you decide the product. And then you try it on. Then you buy it. So when a customer is touching on these aspects while buying a simple product IP plays an important role here. For example that if when you enter the showroom you see the name so that name is is, is part of trademark protection from the company standpoint that company has to file for trademark right to make sure the name is unique and it is not copied in an in an un in an illegal way so that competitors can misuse it so that way companies file for trademarks when it comes to names. Now as a customer when you see the products within the company's catalog you pick up the product first is the first uh, touch point before setting a product is the looks of the product. So that means that means when you see a particular product you see certain visual features without touching it so those features which are appealing to the customer but they are not felt yet they are just seen as visual and aesthetics so those features are part of design protection so there's a design law for that and once you select a product and after selecting the product you are able to try it on you are able to feel certain utility features, certain benefits. Okay, it provides better cushioning. It is soft. It kills the microorganisms. It is germ free and then there's a better airflow. So these features are a result of various parts or various uh, let's say components which are packaged in the shoe, maybe in sole and then outside the sole and then on the t- top side of the shoe. So all these physical and utility aspects, they are part of patent protection. So for a single product and for a single business like Nike or for a single brand, you you can anticipate that there are a lot of intellectual property rights associated at that particular purchase point when the customer is dealing with the business. Now imagine a company at, at the level of Nike having a portfolio of products having presence in so many countries. So that means that the protection of IP becomes very important from the standpoint of the business owners or the companies so during coming sessions we will touch upon these IP rights specifically how are patents important how are trademarks important how companies opt for designs what is copyright what is trademark what is trade secret so we'll discuss in detail as of now I'm just giving an overview Now, as a result of these various IP rights involved in a particular business, which can be related to different products, the company is able to add more value. So that is why the price point of Nike is high as compared to a competitor which might be cheaper. And there are obviously other competitors which are expensive as well. So that is why these companies command premium pricing, because that's the reason that they are able to provide additional value because of their intellectual property rights. And when such companies are able to provide additional value, at the same time, to make sure the value sustained across the entire supply chain, from the supplier to the retail shop to the customer, till the time it reaches the customer, they are very proactive in enforcing their intellectual property rights. So, when it comes to enforcement, then courts gets involved. So, when courts are involved, different forums are involved. Then we have issue about copying of product, illegal counterfeits. So, we'll discuss that as well. Well, you have companies. So when I say companies it covers everything it covers startups. So startup is a company that is looking to raise funds because startup is the best example is Facebook because they don't have anything to sell from day one. So that means to create a sellable product they need to invest a lot of time and resources. So for that they raise funding. So that's why these startups so Facebook can be called a startup so every company is a startup at some stage but some companies start making revenue so they don't qualify as tech startup so there are different ways to understand this from startup standpoint. So inventors generally what they do is uh, they generally work on an idea they generally work on some prototype and once they have something ready then they try to collaborate with someone okay let us take it to market I need a corporate entity to take it to market so I will license my idea. So idea or innovation in that form needs some protection to be transferred from the inventor to the licensee. Licensee means the party that is ready to commercialize the idea. So then at the first level inventors file for their own patents. So when these entities individuals companies they are creating IP at the same time they need help from legal side to protect the IP. So that's where law firms come in So so if somebody is working in a company so you are you are dedicated to a particular team that is involved in evaluating new ideas filing for creating ip rights and then filing for ip protection by way of working with law firms so then you act as interface so anyone working in a corporate setup in the ip field you are dealing with your in-house tech teams in-house r d heads in-house manage in-house managers those who are working on they will come to you with new idea and then it's your job to evaluate that as a company's business model. What is the best way to take an idea to market? And while doing so, I have talked to a lot of people who work at, at this level. They are licensing heads. They are IP heads. So if hundred, so every company they have a mechanism to you know put forward an idea. Anyone working in a team, they can have a new idea regarding the company's product. They will, they have to follow the process to send the idea to the reporting manager, and then the concerned person send it to the IP person. So when these things happen, the role of IP person becomes important because then it is his or her responsibility to understand what all ideas are practical from the company standpoint. So out of 100, maybe 10 will be filtered and for those 10, the in-house IP uh, professional will coordinate with the external law firm. So if you're working with a law firm, you will get these clients who will come with ideas and they have done their internal homework. They have done their internal R&D and then it's used to protect the idea. And after protection, it's your job to enforce the idea. If somebody is copying or somebody is illegally using, then you approach the court to get the appropriate relief. Third category, which is uh, important is researchers, research labs, organizations involved in pure research. This can be private lab. This can be public labs in partnership with the government. So these labs, the whole goal is to conduct the research. So for example, if you work, if, a, if an entrepreneur, or if a startup or if a, new, if a company is working on a new product that relates to let's say a new cosmetic product and you need dermatological testing. So for any, if you are working in India or any country, this kind of business requires certain regulatory standards to be complied with. So to comply with the standard, you will do some testing that your product has these compositions. These ingredients are not harmful. They are specified by the law, we, can, we are allowed to use it. So you will approach those labs to conduct the research. Sometimes certain labs do their own research work because of their funding, because of their commercial goals. So a lot of research happens. So as a lab, the lab can or maybe research organizations or even the research departments in university. So these entities, they can do the research on their own to generate their own IP or they can work as commercial partner with some other entity to help in their research. So then it becomes a collaborative effort that the research was ideated in a particular company or ideated by a particular person and then this research was conducted by this lab and because of the overall result you have a combined IP which can be jointly shared or you pay to the lab for the work they have done and you, the company can own it fully. So these are different commercial transactions but at the very basic level if you are working in a lab you are doing the research at every step you are generating IP that's the essence. Now another category which is very important which is a very uh, which will be a trend of the future is consulting companies. Consulting company means we have candidates from who are doing MBAs, we have people who have done engineering, we have people who have done law as well and they are exploring where to work. Maybe you don't like to work in a conventional setup where you, know, you don't want to just do the routine work of filing or going to courts. You want something exciting in this field. So then comes the most exciting part of valuation of IP. So if anyone has seen any real estate transaction at a personal level, if you have ever if your family has ever sold a home or maybe you have leased a home. So you know how these uh, transactions happen for physical properties. You have a property with you. You want to sell it how the buyer seller documents. Then there are certain chances of dispute because for those properties, physical assets, laws are very defined. You can see the property. If you're talking about a house, you can say the house is built on this much area. This is the floor. This is the apartment. This is the layout. So you have the specifications defined to the last possible detail. And when that is defined, there is no ambiguity in that, but is exactly the opposite when it comes to intellectual property rights. That means in case of intellectual property rights, these issues are getting complicated because there is no specification defined in front of us. So if a company so let's I will again take a very simple example of again Nike. So before the shoe has come to market before the customer is buying it think from the point of view of someone who is heading the team in Nike and they are deciding that how will we price this product. Why should this product be priced at let's say 3,000 4,000 7,000 8,000 why. So there are a lot of uh, factors that decide the pricing before the competition comes into picture. So from the point of view of R&D, the amount of effort that goes into designing a new product, the amount of resources that go into designing a new product, there are a lot of failures in these experiments. Companies eventually, what what is the sole aim of a company to provide profit to its shareholders, even the experiments fail. Companies cannot work like at the end of the year, they will go to shareholders and say that we did not make any profit because our research efforts were not successful, you can't have that. So companies have to offset everything. They have to balance between. So if they are, if a company has hypothetically, it has 10 products. And at the same time, when you have 10 products, you have in R&D, you might have hundred new ideas. But out of those 100 ideas, only five will be reaching the stage of prototyping. And once you reach prototype stage, you have to make sure the product reaches a stage where it is practically possible to bring out a commercial version. So at every stage companies spending a lot of money in designing this product. So eventually companies have to take care of costs. So that is why the best example apart from shoe is Apple, even one plus these days wide, why, why these premium, uh, why do these companies charge a premium because they invest in R&D and when the customers are buying so if somebody is spending money to buy let's say any Apple product. So that means they are sure that they are getting the value of a company and the company will be able to provide a, bear, uh, a certain level of service or certain level of value in the product. So. When you have that kind of approach by the companies that are heavily focused on IP driven strategy, so companies, uh, so at every level, they have to determine what is the value of IP. So I'm not getting into valuation right now, but I'll get into a very simple example. If a company like Apple, so when the first iPhone was launched, the most innovative feature was multi-touch where the screen could recognize touch from more than one finger at a single point of time. Second innovative feature was pinch to zoom where by using multi-touch you can zoom into a screen. Before that, that feature was unknown. So for these two features, years of research has gone into the development uh, from the Apple side. So they have filed a lot of patents for that. So what is the value? If a company says a company has let's say one product and for to offer new features, you have let's say five patents. As a general example, you have five patients are them. So what is the value? So the different ways then accounting comes into picture. So people with interest in accounting have to just uh, have to, you know, go through a learning curve to understand what is IP all about. Okay. The IP is not just a physical product. So that's how the valuation has to be done differently. So then working in this consulting companies, you have to have that kind of understanding. So maybe a lawyer with MBA. And certain knowledge of technology or basic understanding of technology is better suited for that profile. That okay, I can work on valuation projects. When you work on valuations, so valuation is not just standalone service. Sometimes it's licensing. So that means you act. So there are a lot of companies that are licensing companies. So their job is. So let's say in licensing, the best example I can give is the pharmaceutical sector. So these days, everybody is reading a lot about the vaccine or the drug needed for coronavirus. So why is it taking so much time? We have reached a stage where we have technology to send a robotic or robot to Mars, but we don't have the technology to develop a vaccine faster. So why this difference in the, you know, uh, in the development of a new technology or a new solution? Because the drug development process is really complicated. That first you need to find the right, uh, I will not get too technical, but a right chemical or that right in- or the active compound that can be validated to target a particular disease. Once that happens, then testing happens at different level. You have clinical trials, four level of trials before the trials in animals. So in short, in very simple term, under normal circumstances, a company needs at least good seven to eight to nine years to develop a drug that is ready to be launched in market, that is ready to be produced commercially. So, we, so and uh, when companies spend these many years, there are a lot of efforts again uh, don't result in a full success lot of chemicals lot of active compounds which look viable we have seen in if anybody is a fan of sci-fi movies you must have seen movies where zombies are shown this is quite though that is true that there are a lot of candidates but they don't work they are they fail the test of let's say initial filter so companies have to invest a lot of money And again, when pharmaceutical companies are investing, they're investing at a large scale because you have scientists, you have labs, you have to procure uh, expensive apparatus, you have to maintain the basic standard required by law. And now because of this new virus, everything has to be done quickly. That means you have to package eight years, nine years worth of research in a couple of months. So that is the reason we and every so I don't know if anybody is reading about it, but in business newspapers, these days, there is a dispute going on between the companies who own the patent regarding the most viable drug. Because companies know that whoever is the first company to design even, let's say a very, you know, let's say close enough drug for this problem. They will be sitting on millions on billions of rupees and dollars. And once they're doing that, there will be a lot of chances where the drug will be copied because public health is involved. Government is involved. So they have to. So in this situation, you have to balance IP versus the public health or public, let's say public interest. So that balance, who will decide that? So a lot of uh, professionals work in IP policy. So I'll just give an example, companies like Uber, companies like pharma companies. So they have departments of public policy where they have professionals who understand their business side of things and then they try to work with the government. So in India, this is not well known because in India, the lobbying is not a legal business activity. In US, lobbying is a legal business activity. You must have seen in movies you must have seen in tv shows you can read about it you can just google about lobbying firms so any new law that has to be introduced in us lobbying is legal so that means a lot of research goes into the pros and cons about the law people who are supporting the law they do their own research and then if ip is involved in that research then you need that kind of professional skill set to work with those companies so these companies fall in the category of consultants because they are not building anything of their own they are not doing any research on their own, but they're acting as an interface between other stakeholders. So if you want to, so I'm again, I'm not adding an MBA is mandatory for this field. Anyone can work in any field. Let's start with that belief. It's all depends on your aptitude, your understanding and how you approach this industry. Any anyone who is comfortable in, you know, going to IP offices, taking care of the legalities. So that means when then you are better suited for the legal law firm setup. So it depends on individual to individual. There is because the industry is so flexible. It's not that we need basic certification is mandatory. You need this kind of education. It all depends on your aptitude, how well you understand the overall ecosystem. So based on that, you are able to work in this industry. So again, consulting is broad category. You will see big four companies like Ernst and young. You will see consulting companies, PwC. They have dedicated people working in IP. Some of them are lawyers, some of them are CAs with some exposure to IP. Some of them are engineers with MBA, again, a diverse mix because companies, again, they don't go for a particular background. They don't want to have a, you know, monotonous approach in forming such teams. They want people with open mind because IP is all about openness. IP is all about creativity. So, so that is something which is required and creativity. You don't have, You nobody can learn creativity. It's about looking things from a different perspective. So. Again, coming back to the agenda, if you are, if you fo- so the best way to understand this industry to build this career is always to look for jobs, even if you're not, you know, if you don't want to apply right now, just keep on look out on the market that this is happening. Companies like Amazon are hiring people with IP background. They want, they prefer engineers with this kind of qualification and then based on, so you will have top five, top six companies that after five years, I want to work after three years, I want to work in this industry. So let's start, let's walk backwards. If you see yourself working in a particular company or a particular firm after one year. So look backwards. Like let's say you find people on LinkedIn who have worked in this industry from two years. So what all they have done talk to those people. Somebody will respond to you. somebody might not respond to you, but that is totally fine. It's all it's all it all depends on the effort that goes into it rather than just the results. Talk to people have an open mind and then make sure that in this category where you fit because We get a lot of CVs. We get a lot of queries on LinkedIn that I want to build a career in IP. So don't, so it's not about sending queries to people. It's not about spamming. It's about first formulating the questions in the right way that maybe it can be totally aligned to your education background, or it can be totally different. Also, that's totally fine because if you see profiles of IP professionals in India, you will see a diverse mix. The way they studied, the way they worked is totally different. They're totally working on a different sector right now, because sector is getting evolved every year. now with 3D printing and AI, so you will see the sector, how it will change. Uh, and uh, we are seeing a lot of activity in the remote work area. Now you will see a lot of tools that will favor remote working. So then you will see a lot of IP getting generated. So it all depends on companies, those companies uh, which are interested in you know monetizing this kind of IPR. So. I have a presentation based on this. I will share it with you and uh, what we can do is uh, I'll share the recording also. So if you can formulate the questions and we will have a discussions in coming days and based on that, we will have some real life case studies and assignments. And if anyone has any question right now, you can just type in the chat box.